Last week, we talked about what happens when Jesus comes to church. This morning, we're going to look at what happens when Jesus comes to the neighborhood. Join me in your Bibles, Acts chapter 3, if you're following along in the Acts Black Journal. It's uh, page 18, and it begins with Peter and John on the way to the temple to pray. They've done this countless other times. But on the way, they bump into this guy um, uh, that's being carried to his usual spot on the sidewalk because he's unable to to walk himself. He was lame from birth. He's never walked uh, on his his own ever uh, from baby till now. He's in adulthood. He's at least 21 years old, maybe 35. We don't know, but he's a man. And he's, from birth, had this issue. Well, in in the next few moments, we're going to see him healed and uh, what takes place after that. But one of the most uh, remarkable things is, and again, this is out in the streets, uh, outside the temple. This is not at church. This is in the neighborhood, so to speak. And it says in Acts 3, verse 10, they were filled with wonder and amazement. And again, this is in, these are unbelievers in the streets. They are filled with awe and wonder because God came to the neighborhood. God showed his power in a dramatic way. And we're going to look at this this morning. But what we see here is... Before God worked in this man who was an unbeliever, God had to work in the lives of Peter and John or he would never have been able to work in this guy's body. And the principle here is God has to work in us before he can work through us. It's the basic principle of scripture. It's why Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Let me work in you so that I might be able to work through you. So watch what happens. So this guy's being carried, verse two, uh, by his family, most likely, or his buddies, and he's being placed on the, on the, the, basically on the curb. And then he sees these two nice-looking guys, Peter and John, on the way into the temple, and he asks for some money. Now, what happens next is the miracle that took place inside Peter and John before we see the miracle that takes place in this lame man. So it says, verse 4, Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. Now, don't underestimate those words. Peter directs his gaze. He saw in a, in a unique way. He'd, never, he'd seen this guy before, but not like this. He'd seen the, the lame man. He'd seen his problems. But now when he directs his gaze, he sees not just the need, but the opportunity. He saw what, what we can call with Jesus' eyes. He saw the man the way Jesus saw people. 
and he, he directed his gaze. And this was such a significant gaze that, that it, it not only impacted, this was not just something God did in John or in P Peter, but he also does it now in John, as did John. John, it was as if the Spirit of God stirred something in John to take notice also. They both were given Jesus' eyes. But then we come to the second element that took place inside Peter and John. And, and it comes in the, the end of verse four, and Peter says to this guy three words. Look at us. Look at us. And what he's doing is he's putting himself out there. I want you to look at us, expect something from us. And so the guy gets all excited. He says, oh man, this is either gonna be a five or a 10 or a 20. I'm gonna get something from these guys. And so immediately, Peter repositions his expectations and he says, now hold on a minute. We don't have gold and silver. But what we've, we have a currency that you're not expecting. We don't want to just give you a, a five or a ten. We want to give you something that will meet your deeper need. We come to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So we say to you, rise up and walk. Now those are the words. And those words obviously were catalytic. But the action that follows is what triggers the miracle. It does not say, and immediately on hearing these words, the man leaped to his feet. That's not what it says. It says Peter reaches out his right hand and takes the guy by the hand. And immediately his ankles, his knees, his calves, his thighs, his hips, which had never worked before, immediately on receiving the right hand touch from Peter, now he rises to his feet. So it was the words, and don't underestimate the power of the words, but it was also the touch, reaching out. Now every other time this guy was, was up on his feet, it's because somebody got behind him and, and he lifts his arms and around his chest, under his armpits, lifts him up. That's not what it says happened here. He, he, Peter reaches out one hand. One hand was not enough to humanly get him on his feet. But Peter wasn't expecting something human to take place here. He was expecting something miraculous. Why? Because in Peter, two changes had taken place. First, he was given Jesus' eyes to not just see the need, but to see the opportunity. And the second thing, he received an emboldening, an emboldening, an encouragement from God to put himself out there with this guy. This is exactly what it means in Acts 1.8 
when Jesus said to his disciples, the last thing we have on record that Jesus said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Now, what is that saying? What that's saying is, part of what that's saying is, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit will bring about two changes in you. One, you will see with my eyes, and two, you will put yourself out there and go on record as a witness for the Lord. I want to tell you a story. A number of years ago, God began working in my spirit. And I, I didn't know these two miracles were happening in me, but they were. And inside of me, God gave me Jesus' eyes for my neighbors. <clears throat> and he put on my heart to go door to door in my neighborhood and to put myself out there was the other change. I had a desire to put myself out there, to go on record in my neighborhood as being a Jesus person who prays for impossible things to happen. God put this in my heart, and these two changes happened in me. Now, <clears throat> this part of the story is a little embarrassing. I can still feel the fears that I had. Now, you don't know me as a fearful person. Uh, you don't know me as, as someone reluctant to, to talk to uh, strangers, and normally I'm not, but, but I'm just being real. I, I was intimidated by this. I went to the first neighbor, and they were real nice, and I did fine. I, I, I knew their names, so I didn't have to introduce myself. I called them by name, and that was nice. And uh, I said, you know, I've never asked this before, but I'd love to pray for you. Is there anything I can pray for? And they told me right away. And there was a, a, a mother-in-law was having surgery. And so we prayed for that. And I wrote that down. And I kept praying for that. Went to the next house, and I didn't know him. Well, I, I like, I'm, I'm there. They come right to the door. I couldn't get the words out. It was like I was in middle school talking to a girl I liked who didn't know I liked her, and you know what that's like. You remember that? Anybody remember that when you, when you, when you faced that? That's how I, I was totally botching this. And, and the gal, before I could hardly say a word, the, the lady, this nice lady says, are you all right? And imagine, I mean, it was that bad. I mean, it was bad. This was bad. It was, it was unbelievable. So I somehow survived that, and I actually had enough guts to go to the next door. Yeah, yeah. So I, and, and then another one and another one. Well, about the fifth one, I'm going to. Now I, I'm over that initial, and, and my words came out fine, and... Um, and, and then immediately the guy says, oh, I don't believe in that stuff. Well, I, I wasn't going to take no for an answer in a nice way. I smiled. I said, I don't blame you. Um, and, but I said, I do. And my God answers prayer. I said, anything at all. If, if you have nothing now, that's fine. I don't want to put you on the spot. But if anything comes, you can stop me. You see my car driving in here. Um, and... I'd be glad to pray for you at any time. So I turned to leave. He says, well, hold on a second. Um, my wife owns a consignment shop in Old Town Stone Mountain. And ever since she bought it, 
it's been going down, down, down. We're hardly making any money. We're hardly scraping by. And if you could pray that, that uh, the finances turn around. Well, inside, I'm thinking to myself, is that the best you've got? I mean, really? Is that? <laughs> and, and the Lord rebukes me and says, you knucklehead, this guy's being more real than you are. You asked for a need. He told you the need. Would you pray for this? Well, about three months later, <clears throat> I go back to each of the houses, make my rounds, and I actually got to share the gospel with one neighbor, and uh, they didn't respond. But then, um, I don't want to get sidetracked, but uh, I did go, I, I kept praying for this neighbor. And when I went back three months later to the neighbor that I shared Christ with, their daughter had led them to Christ. So I didn't lead them to Christ, but I prayed. And who knows what little part I might have played. But anyway, so now I'm going around and I go back to this guy with a consignment shop, whose wife has the consignment shop. And he's standing out at the mailbox drinking a beer. And um, he says, oh man, I'm so glad you, you stopped by because wait till you hear Ever since you prayed, my wife's business completely turned around. We can't make deposits fast enough. Uh, we're making so much money. And then he, he's, he, he's got his beer and he yells out to his neighbor who's out there raking leaves, hey, George, you need to have the Rev here pray for you. God answers his prayers. Well, I'll tell you, I felt the pleasure of God. I felt like this is Jesus in the neighborhood. He's out here on the street corner meeting felt needs in my neighborhood. It's, it's very similar. What God did in me at that point is similar to what God did in Peter and John this day. Gave them eyes, Jesus' eyes, to see neighbors differently and to put them out, themselves out there. Look at us. Look at us. Now, that, that off, many of us, I would say most of us, have experienced the first miracle of having Jesus' eyes. I think most of us have legitimate compassion for, for people and we want to, to people uh, to meet Jesus. We're, we've got the first one. But I dare say most of us have not experienced the second miracle in us to be willing to put ourselves out there. We back away from that. We, we, we feel inside like, oh, I don't want people to expect too much from me. I, what if I botch it? What if I'm a lousy witness? What, what if I, I, I don't want to give God a, a black eye or a bad name? Uh, if I put myself out there, uh, I'm, I'm so frail and I've got so many issues of my own. What, what good could I do for anybody else? No, that, that's not what this is saying. It doesn't say... Um, <clears throat> You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, but you won't be my witnesses until you're perfect, until you get it all together, until you go to Bible school and learn how to do it professionally, and then 
Look, I've been to Bible school. I've been to seminary, and I was botching it. I fumbled, I couldn't get my words out. God had to change it in here. I didn't need a degree, I needed a change. And brothers and sisters, either we are studying the book of action, or we're not. Either we have a God of activation, or we don't. This cannot be, this cannot be a, 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 a theoretical uh, Sunday morning uh, as business as usual moment for us. When, when will God the Holy Spirit activate in us the same changes he brought in the early church? Amen. When will he give us Jesus' eyes and when will he make us willing to put ourselves out there on behalf of needy people around us? You know when? Today. Today. I believe he wants to do it today. Now, what happens? So, this is so beautiful. So it says, um, immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Verse 8. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and enter the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. The guy's going into the temple doing somersaults. He's doing cartwheels. He's doing a little break dance across the, the threshold into the, into the, uh, the temple. He, he's never moved before. He's completely disrupting the place, but the people are rejoicing with him. All the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the guy who they put on the sidewalk to get money professionally, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what was happening to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I want to ask us a question. And this question could trigger a repositioning of our whole mindset. The question is, why does God answer prayer miraculously for unbelievers? It's a good question. Why does God miraculously answer prayer for unbelievers. You know why? Because he loves them. He answers prayer miraculously for unbelievers for the same reason he sent his son. To seek and to save the lost. And he wants to show awe, not just in church. He wants to show awe in your neighborhood, in your school. Do you know how, even how many Christians are professing supernaturalists and practicing naturalists? Do you know how many? The vast majority. And if you are still a professing supernaturalist, but a practicing naturalist, I call you to receive activation of your faith in Jesus Christ who works miracles in our day. And so what happens next? Peter takes the moment. Now, now the guy wanted money, Jesus wanted to give him healing, but we're still not down to the bone. The bone punchline of this story is now 
beyond the physical, Peter's gonna preach to them about receiving eternal life in Jesus Christ, and he preaches. Okay, big deal, he preaches. Well, hang on, this is a big deal. Look at chapter four, verse four. But many of those who heard the preaching of the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Are you kidding me? Five, five? Five would have been good. One guy gets healed, five gets saved. I mean, that's good. 500 would be incredible. This is 5,000! I mean, we were ooing and aahing at 3,000 getting saved on Pentecost. Give me a break. This is a 170% increase over what happened on Pentecost a month earlier. Whoa! All because one guy got healed when God's power went into a neighborhood. I gotta tell you one more story. So I, I called my buddy Ron Walburn this week to make sure I got the story straight. He told me this story about 15, 20 years ago and I, I still remember the story so vividly but I wanted to make sure I got the, the, the story straight. So Ron was one day minding his own business shopping at Costco and on known to him, a woman who had just been diagnosed with cancer was in Costco and for some reason asked the manager of Costco, is there a church around here that prays for healing? And the manager knew Ron and knew that he was in the store and he says, well, no, there's not only a church, the pastor is here this morning. And, and let, me, let me get them for you. So the two of them got together, and the woman and her husband uh, shared with Ron about her cancer and how they're not church-going people, uh, but they, they, were, they said, if you're a pastor and you believe in praying for healing, we'd like to come to your church tomorrow. And Ron says, don't, you don't have to wait till tomorrow. I can pray for you right now. So Ron starts praying for this woman. And uh, fortunately, uh, Ron, like many of us in, in those environments, prays with his eyes open to see what God's doing. Well, as he was praying, she starts falling under the power of God. And so he grabbed her and the husband grabbed her and laid her down uh, quietly and the husband goes, hallelujah! And Ron says, I, I didn't think you went to church. He says, I don't, but I watch TV. <laughs> so they're ministering in prayer to the Lord over her. The, the manager of Costco comes and he sets up orange cones around the woman and is directing traffic. Don't worry, you don't have to call uh, the doctor. This is just God. Uh, God is here. Uh, just uh, don't worry about it. God's here. It's all good. Well, the next day they show up in Ron's church. A few weeks later, they both get saved. The next test 
her cancer is completely in remission. And six months later, six months later, they went out as missionaries with YWAM. Costco. Costco. This didn't happen at the front of the sanctuary. This happened on the third aisle uh, at Costco. Because Jesus wants to visit your neighborhood. Jesus wants to visit your workplace. Jesus wants to visit your school. Jesus wants to go where you go. And he wants to manifest his presence. So, my friends, I'm here to challenge you. I heard this from heaven on my life. And I know the difference between when God has something just for me and when he has something for me and us. And you can judge this for yourself, but I believe what I'm about to tell you is not just for Fred, it's for us. And that is, I want to challenge you today to make friends for Jesus. Specifically, I challenge you to make 21 friends for Jesus in 2021. To make 21 friends for Jesus in 2021. They, that would include your coworkers, it includes your neighbors. And let me tell you how easy this is. If you live in a subdivision or an apartment, the same rules could apply. But most of us live in a subdivision and I just wanna talk from there. If you visit just five homes in both directions, so five homes on your side of the street, cross the street, five back, the one across makes six, five more makes 11, five coming back, that's 21 homes. And all it is is five homes in each direction. Go door to door, introduce yourself, learn the name, ask a need, and pray for that need consistently. And my challenge to us is to do this in the month of February. Now, I think we all know today's the last day of January. So uh, we're not going to get this done in January, but let's get it done in February. Take the challenge today, 21 and 21. And and God will give you assignments. He'll, He'll put names on your list. And don't miss the obvious. If you've got a family member that's not walking with Christ, put them on your list. Don't, don't, don't just think, oh, this, I have to go five in each direction is what the past. No, I'm, I'm giving you a suggestion. But God will give you your list. And, and I do suggest that we all go in our neighborhood. I mean, imagine how miserable, how miserable it would be. If our neighbors know we come to church every Sunday, so the car, the garage door goes up, we pull out, we pull back, every Sunday it's our habit, and they don't know why. Imagine, they die and go to hell, and they never knew why. Is that, is, that's not acceptable. There's no miracle in you with that. The miracle in you, number one, let Jesus give you Jesus' eyes. And number two, Let Jesus work emboldening in you to where you'll put yourself out there and say, neighbors, 
I'm a mess, I'm a work in process, but I am a Jesus person. And if you've got a need, I want to be part of meeting that need as much as I can. Would you take that challenge? In your program, there's two things I just want to point out. This one you keep, 21 and 21. There's a commitment on one side and on the back. This is why you keep it. You write down the names of 21 people. Learn the names. It's a whole different thing rather than praying for that brown house uh, across the street to pray by name. The, the answers to prayer go way up when you pray by name. Even Paul says, I mention you by name. Hallelujah. Learn names and write down needs. There's more than enough room. You don't need a ledger. There's more than enough room. You don't need to write a paragraph. Just put down the specific needs. Pray specific, you get specific answers. And the idea is this next month, 21 homes, 21 names. Lord, give me 21 names in the 28 days of February. And then in March, go back to the same people and see how they're doing and invite them to church on Easter. And then sometime between April and following, when the time is right, tell them your 30-second faith story of what Jesus has done in you and share with them the two-minute gospel of how they can respond to Christ as well when the time is right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And brothers and sisters, there's never been a time that's easier to step into this than now. With COVID, everyone has needs. You can just go and your first words are, you know, I pray for you and uh, uh, please forgive me that I haven't come before, but I'm just checking up on you. How are you doing during COVID? Uh, uh, financially, are you okay? Is there anything I can do for you? And, and with that in mind, uh, I, I, my God answers prayer. And is there anything I can pray for you for? Any of us can do this. We share the same needs as those next to us. And the second thing that's in your hands is the tear-off. If you would open this up, and if you are a guest, we would encourage you to fill out the outside. But inside, there's your commitment. Yes, 21 and 21. And today, I ask you to step into activation. I ask you to make a commitment today. Uh, please don't sit there with your arms folded. Please reach for a pen in, in, the, in, the, in front of you within arm's reach. And I, I challenge you to fill this out. If you're in high school, step in. This is easy. This is easy. Lord, give me Jesus' eyes. And change whatever needs to be changed in me that I'm willing to step out there and say, look at us. Look to me. I want to be Jesus in my neighborhood. And if you would with me, I would ask you to just tear that off. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. Again, 
God help us if we study the book of Acts simply as history and there's no activation. This is a time for activation. And I, I call you today uh, to, to make a commitment. And we're going to sing in a moment. And as we're singing, I want to encourage you to come and place this as you're putting yourself before the Lord. Lord, I'm, my life's a mess. I'm not a finished product. I'm a work in process. But I ask you to change me. Give me Jesus' eyes and put it in my heart to put myself out there with people. And give me 21 friends in 2021 that I can represent you to them in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me, please? Father, across this room, moved by your Holy Spirit. Lord, this whole matter of receiving power when the Holy Spirit comes on us, we don't want it to be theoretical power. We don't want it to be some, we're waiting for some moment indefinitely in the future. No, Lord, we ask you to come now and change us now. And Father, activate in me Jesus' eyes to see not just the needs in people, but to see the opportunity for Jesus. And Father, take me deeper in my friendships. Take me deeper in my relationships with my neighbors. And Father, forgive me for holding people at arm's length, for quarantining myself in an unhealthy way from getting involved, for feeling so insecure or so inadequate that I do not put myself out there and ever say, look at us, look to me, in Jesus' name. Lord, change the chemistry, change my orientation, that I will be changed from the inside out. Work in me so that you can work through me. Father, if you can mobilize a hundred of us, 21, 2100 friends for Jesus, if you can mobilize 150 of us, that's 3,000. If you can mobilize 250 of us, that's 5,000. Here we go, the book of Acts all over again. And Father, ultimately, the saving of lives is not on us, it's on you. But we are your instruments. We are an offering. As we sing, would you come and place before the Lord? Just put it right on the front, on the top here. Just come on down and, and lay here the, the, the tear off. You keep the, the half card. 